You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. Welcome to the Eternal Light Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of DC Universe, Batman. I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Barker, alongside my heroic co-host, Craig Blaylock. We are back in the Batcave, bringing in the new year of 2023. Uh, you know, it's been a while since our last episode, and I would like to just apologize on behalf of that. It's been about a month or so since our last episode. Um, Craig, any any additional thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, the apologies go out to those of you who do listen to us. We very much appreciate it. It's just been a lot going on. There's just, you know, the holidays and, you know, coming towards the end of the year. A lot of curveballs were thrown at both Phil and I in our personal lives. And it's just been trying to find that time to be able to get a recording together. But we greatly appreciate everyone's patience while we get this together. Yeah, so to sum that up in smaller words, we were really stressed the fuck out and we couldn't figure our yeah. shit out. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> so we, we just took some time off. I didn't do a very good job of announcing that at all, and um, I apologize. So here we are bringing in the new year, and we're going to be talking about a few different things. Uh, obviously, you know, it's really it's really unfortunate because our the last episode we did the day after that yeah. was the day that uh, Kevin Codner had passed away, and I felt really bad because neither one of us like we we'd planned to talk about it and then yeah. things just kind of got in the way of that between holiday shopping and you know maybe some seasonal depression sprinkled within there somewhere in there too and it's just like you know i listened to a lot of other great conversations regarding that and a lot of other people who gave their their two cents on you know what happened you know with kevin Conroy's passing and it's just it's really unfortunate. You know, I know Craig and I were really kind of blown away by that. Like, we really wanted to talk about it sooner, but, I, you know, I guess now would be a even greater time to reflect on that and what he means to us. I mean, obviously, he was a really seminal voice of Batman for many, many people, but, you know, that day, I, I just remember, like, just getting up because I think, I yeah, I had the day off and I was going to go to a job interview, and um, I, I did go to the job interview for the record, but... It was just like it was just one of those things where it's like you you wake up to like some of the worst news imaginable and then you get confirmation that it's true and you're just like well shit like ow 
Like, was, yeah, like, was, I was, remember you you texted me, and I just I could not believe it. Yeah, I was lost beyond words more than anything. The, this was probably the first time that like a celebrity passing like actually affected me. Probably since I think no other one hit me harder than this one. Uh, I think the last time was probably Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park because so much of their music and his voice and the struggles that he went through really hit home with me. And with Conroy, like you said, I mean, he was the voice of Batman throughout our pretty much yours and mine, our entire lives. Yeah. I mean, his voice has been there through so much and he was always from everything I've seen. I haven't seen any negative things about him. It just seemed like he was always willing to talk to people. He was always very nice. And it's just, it was really shocking to get that text message from you that day. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a bad thing ever said about Kevin Conroy and his contributions to The Dark Knight overall. Um, it was recently, even before the, the last year had ended, you know, we're now in 2023 as of this recording, but... um towards the tail end i think it was the 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 video game awards uh rocksteady showed off official footage and you know announced that kevin conroy would announce batman or would would announce that batman would be voiced by kevin conroy one last time and uh suicide squad kills the justice league and that was cool to find out because kevin conroy always did uh batman and and a lot of different voices for a lot of those projects be it video game or uh animated video doesn't matter he was always down to voice the character no matter what i mean he even got to do it in live action one time i'm sure we will probably talk about a lot of this stuff yeah uh we we do have a list um we got a couple things on the docket since there has been a lot of developments in regards to dc studios and new management over at warner brothers or not really even warner brothers but just new management over at dc studios which is now its owned you know, consolidated portion at the big WBD Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, DC now has its own kind of faction and will be overseen not by Warner Brothers Pictures for the first time since they've had ownership over the DC library. So, yeah, there there has been a lot um, of debacle and debate over that. And it really, it, it's coming in debate only because of recent things surrounding those kinds of decisions with James yeah. Gunn and Peter Safran now taking on leadership roles at WBD in regards to DC Studios. But um, from what I understand, uh, as far as it is as it stands right now, Matt Reeves' Batman stuff is not being incorporated, not being tampered with, not being you know addressed in any way. Matter of fact, it was like a week or two ago, someone tried to Matter of fact, it was someone from Variety tried to basically imply that now that James Gunn and Safran are um, the heads of DC, that they would try and incorporate Matt Reeves' Batman universe into a new fledgling DC universe. And James Gunn promptly came out and debunked that rumor as bullshit. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And I think Matt Reeves might have even quote. Yeah, matter of fact, Matt Reeves did quote tweet, quote tweet James Gunn. And uh, that that is, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm gravy you know that's great like you know let let matt reeves do his own thing you know ever since the whole snyder cut Zack snyder stepping away from justice just even just the the justice league situation i guess would be the best 
cap way to say that. And in, in, in regards to everything that happened after Justice League, I think it would be in both Warner Brothers and DC Studios' best interest to just let these filmmakers make the movies they want to make, not the make the movies that the executives want them to make. I guess yeah. would be the best way to say that. So, you know, the more power, creative, and control Matt Reeves has, the better. But then when you also get into that conversation in regards to James Gunn and Peter Safran, then it becomes a little bit more personal. Because, man, that's a whole other shitstorm of a conversation happening on Twitter right now, too. <laughs> it really, you know, it's funny that you, in just the time that since our last episode, you've got Kevin Conroy passing, everything going on with James Gunn in D.C., and then you mentioned that word Twitter and just everything that's happened in that stratosphere. And it's just like there has been so much in such a small amount of time. It's really insane to me that, you know, so much information has come out in such a short amount of time and we're very close. Actually, I don't even I wouldn't even say very close because I don't know. But but from what I understand as well, uh, James Gunn intends to release some information regarding his newly developed plan for DC film. So we'll see what that looks like, whether or not Batman is a part of his, you know, phase one first chapter, whatever the hell it's decidedly called. Because, yeah, uh, well. Uh, according to Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Black Adam is not part of that first chapter plan. So um looks like uh, we might not see more of him as Black Adam in the future regarding DC, which is pretty unfortunate because I kind of like that movie. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was entertaining time. I, I mean, look, it's, it, you know, it's funny to me that when, when people see superhero films, they just kind of expect, you know, more, more or less cookie cutter bad guy stops good guy and result in the third act type of bullshit situation and it's just like you know i don't it it's unfortunate because like you know you get a lot of experimented experimenting filmmakers who want to leave their own personal creative stamp on these things and i think black adam in, in a lot of ways is you know not necessarily some director's creative magnum opus but more so just a passion project specifically from Dwayne the Rock Johnson and to, to, to just see this project that he's been trying to get off the ground for 15 years just kind of fumble the way it did at the box office which which is unfortunate but it's like at the same time like looking at the landscape of superhero films today it's it's just like you know people want well you know they they want something clearly different and it just kind mm -hmm. of sucks that there's this stigma with DC films and the general audience and just how there's just like this I don't know. I don't even know how to how to articulate words with it anymore. But there's always it always just feels like there's more pressure on a DC film because of just how successful the other side of the the street is sometimes. But people tend to forget that when it comes to a lot of the the, the Marvel stuff is like you know it's in conversation for you know a good month or two then it's, then that's it. That's, yeah, that's kind of it. Unless it's like Avengers Endgame or you know a Spider Man No Way Home situation, it's just you don't really get that with DC and matter of fact I would argue the last time DC even had that kind of hype was when they were putting out Zack Snyder's Justice League but yep. that's that's just me the Batman I would probably also argue came close but it I I also think that had Black Adam released earlier it would have been fine because it yeah. came out 3 weeks before Black Panther Wakanda Forever yeah and that was guaranteed to make money for a couple different reasons but at the same time it's just like when you have such a congested release window for all these big tent poles but also you have just a, a vast change in 
the landscape itself when you have to factor in streaming and you know mini series and limited series as, as a thing as well but even also just like meant for streaming films like i i mean glass onion knives out knives out mystery that that is i want to say i could be talking out of my ass here but that that's you know that had a limited theatrical release and it was the most watched film on netflix when it debuted the weekend of christmas yeah so when you factor in like how these films are released in what format they're meant to be released in and whether or not they can work in, in a, in a bigger, you know, run like, you know, theatrical, for example, it's, it's a different game. It's just a completely different game than what we were in, you know, 10, 15 years ago or not even 15. I would, hell, I, yeah, I would say five years ago. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people really like to, you know, point at Netflix as like this, this big dominant, brute force in the industry and it's it's certainly starting to look that way now but i i think you know people kind of exaggerate it you know three four five years ago it, it's definitely gotten bigger now but i would also say that the pandemic pretty much thrusted you know streaming at home vod paid vod to be where it is today but i mean look at look at disney the amount of things that they are constantly bringing out straight to disney plus right right yeah that's true too. The Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, the what is it? Uh, that Pinocchio live action, and it's interesting the things that they are choosing to make direct to like Disney Plus, and the things that they're choosing to do theatrically. Because like to me, I was kind of surprised for something like that live action Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. All of their other live action remakes so far have all been theatrical. Why was this one a streaming direct to streaming? It's it's just very interesting to kind of see that that kind of dynamic shift, especially from a company like Disney. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, when it comes specifically to like superhero movies and this, the, the general realm of comic book films, it's really iffy to, to just kind of look at each project and, and kind of just determine whether or not it was meant to be you know, either on streaming because, you know, with the, with the popularity these things have at the box office currently, largely because of what Marvel studios has done and how they've basically kind of, I wouldn't say poisoned the general audience, but I would say that they have influenced the general audience into thinking that most, if not all superhero films should kind of operate in this, you know, connected tissue type of way. It really yeah. feels like that that that's just, that's just what the, the the audience wants to see now. Which then, when when you think about that, and then you think about you know characters like Batman and Superman having pre-established roots already in in a couple different forms, and the expectations that come with that, it almost becomes a little bit more challenging to to craft a cinematic universe and have those characters show up in it. Yeah. I mean, hell, look at look at the now canceled Batgirl, that was going to go straight to HBO Max. You mean the one that has pictures leaking <laughs> of it left and right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting, but at the same time, it's like I kind of accepted a long time ago that these are these characters are bigger than actors. But mm-hmm. that, but that still doesn't take away, like you know, when these actors occupy these roles, it, you know, they're they're doing it for meaningful reasons most of the time. You know, for example, like Ben Affleck and Batman, like that, like 
when he came into that role, there was so much fan outcry. But now by the time, you know, things are get, looking like it's going to be like kind of a hard reboot as far as like Batman, Superman, a couple other characters are concerned. You know, people are already like, well, who could be a solid Batman for this new DCU or whatever? And it's like, you know, this conversation is really stemming from the fact that, you know, James Gunn, Henry Cavill, they, they formally announced, I want to say, like the week of Christmas or maybe the week before Christmas, that uh, James Gunn is writing a Superman movie and they are going to be focusing on a younger days version of Superman or early days Superman, whatever. It just kind of sounds like a copy and paste of what they chose to do with Batman after the Justice League movie. But anyway, uh, they're going to get a different actor and make a new Superman movie with a younger version of Superman and have it be early days. And I'm just like, oh, well, there, there's That's a movie for I that. Wanted. It's like I, I, the movie that I'm thinking of when I hear those words, I'm like, well, that movie exists and it's called Man of Steel. Yep. You can try and write this one 10 ways to Sunday, be it different all you want. But, you know, an early day Superman movie exists in my mind and it's already called Man of Steel. So um, hats off to James Gunn for announcing that one project, the first one, and being the one to be like, yeah, I'm doing this one myself. It's like, yeah, but weren't you hired in the presidential role? Shouldn't you be executive producing things instead of doing your own projects? Granted, you know, he, he it was stated that he would write, direct, and produce other projects while still occupying that presidential role. He's completely within his creative right to do that 100%. It just feels a little, oh, damn, what's the right word here? Uh, pat yourself on the back. That's what it kind of feels like here it is like, he's like, Hey, I'm going to redo Superman. I'm going to do it my way. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right. Even though he was quoted as saying he was not interested in doing a Superman story. Mm-hmm. I love that little tidbit. I mean, I, well, not even just once, like how many times yeah. has he multiple. said multiple, multiple times that he, he would not, or had no interest in doing Superman. So, and that's also not to say that he can't change his mind or you'd have to wonder if someone from a no matter of fact, the only person that could tell him what to do up top is David Zaslav. Would uh-huh. David Zaslav be the one to be like, yo, write me a Superman movie. And at that point, is he just contractually obligated to do that thing? Exactly. I don't know. But I will also just bring forth the idea that just because he's writing a draft of a Superman movie does not mean that whoever he brings in can come in and do whatever they want to his script. It's happened before. But since he's also now on like a, you know, essentially a Kevin Feige-ish kind of role, I don't know. It, it really kind of depends on, on just how hands-on he's going to be in regards to the universe. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, the, but only if, thing I, the only thing I'm asking of this is if, since they are going to, they are moving forward with this younger Superman, younger Bruce, or young Bruce, Clark Kent, um, don't make the villain Lex Luthor. Don't make the villain Zod. Please, for the love of God, give us somebody else. Give us Brainiac. Hell, I'll take Lobo. Give us someone else, please. According to the Hollywood Reporter, there there was a Man of Steel 2 pitch being worked on by Stephen Knight, who did Peaky Blinders. It was revolving around Henry Cavill Superman. It would have had Brainiac be the villain, but uh, this oh, was before... Man. This was before James Gunn, Saffron took over. Um, apparently, according to Hollywood Reporter, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just going off of what I read in passing over the last few weeks. Is that uh, DeLuca and Abney, the new chair, co-chairs of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery Picture Group, they, uh, they were like, nah, let's pass on this. 
And that really did piss me off, man. I, I went to go see Black Adam, and then, you know, that scene happens at the end, and I came out of that theater just the biggest smile on my face. I'm just like, man, that was awesome. I can't wait to see what happens. And then I think it was like a week later he made that announcement. So he makes... Henry Cavill made the announcement that he was coming back with the role of Superman. Yep. Literally. October 24th. And then, shit, when was, when was that James Gunn's Superman piece announced? This was like, uh, weeks ago. Oh my mm-hmm. god. James Gunn's Superman. Yeah, Toby Emmer got the last laugh with that. Yeah, three weeks ago. So this was, where's the date? December 14th. Yeah, December 14th, Henry Cavill revealed he will not return to the role of Superman, and that gun was writing a film with a younger version in mind. And it's just like, I mean, on one hand, I can understand wanting to reboot and not having any creative ties to anything that that came before, because there is a lot of baggage in, in certain respects. And I don't mean that disparagingly. Obviously, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a very big vocal supporter of what Zack Snyder did with the universe and what he wanted to do. It's just really unfortunate that a lot of the audiences didn't feel the same way in that regard. And you've also just got a lot of other nasty smear campaigns that nerds take place take, take <laughs> partake yeah. in, right? But now we're here and now we've got, you know, James Gunn, who's a verified comic book aficionado. And he wants to do his own thing. On one hand, I can understand that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you already contributed to this universe in the form of the Suicide Squad. And it just feels like, like, you know, you want to get out there and try and try and like rip the bandaid off before, you know, you're fully healed. And I don't necessarily know that's like the best idea because there are a lot of people who are heavily invested in Henry Cavill's version of the character of superman um patty jenkins will no longer be doing wonder woman 3 um that movie has since been completely deaded at the studio because it quote does not fit within the new plan that james gunn and peter saffron have um it is heavily speculated on what is going to happen with wonder woman um gal gadot did put out some kind of tweet like the day before that news dropped about wanting to wrangle in the next chapter of Wonder Woman's character so I don't know if she's out or not uh, James Gunn did debu- did debunk the fact that they were rebooting everyone except the Suicide Squad cast but at the same time I've seen this guy say some stuff on Twitter and then do something completely different in the final product i.e. the Suicide Squad so who knows how true that will be um, especially with the likes of Zachary Levi hinting at the fact that he is, in fact, safe for the time being. So I don't know. I really don't have a definitive way for how I feel about things all DC on film at the moment. The only real question I kind of have at this point is, what is James Gunn going to do with Batman, and how is it going to be different than what we've seen before? Yeah, and I think you and I talked about this uh, when when we found out all this news, is the fact that, like, finding out this stuff about like them stepping away from wonder woman three and all this other stuff that we've learned 
and I remember you and I were talking about it that like it's going to be really messed up and it would just be such a middle finger to him if they if somehow down the line they do this reboot and bring Gal Gadot back as Wonder Woman and bring Jason Momoa back as Aquaman and do not bring Henry Cavill back as Superman. That would just be I would be infuriated if that was the case. Well, it's like, you know, you want to do a new Superman, fine. You want to do a new Batman, that's likely, because Ben Affleck has been saying for a while now he doesn't want to do yeah. something long-term. That's I fine. don't blame him. After I don't everything that he has gone through, I do not blame him at all. Yeah, same. But at the same time, I'm also not expecting, like, you know, you know, people assume that Reeves was going to, like, fold the Batman universe. And I'm just like, God, no, don't let them do no. that. Don't. Yeah. No, no. Let that be its own thing. Right. You know, like, like stick to that mantra. You're still under the Warner Brothers banner. Still, like, stick to your roots of being the, the you know, filmmaker-driven studio that you were built upon, right? Like, still mm -hmm. have some of that integrity there. But I don't know. Um you know, it really is unfortunate to even just think about that because if, if it's like a hard reboot and like, you know, you get a new Superman, you get a new Batman, new Wonder Woman, even new new Aquaman, whatever, it's just like it's 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 just gonna suck because now you have like a lot of wasted interest of people who were fans of these characters, and that's not to say that there will be new fans of these characters, but it's just like, you know, you, you have Henry Cavill Superman, you have Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Like Jason Momoa's Aquaman is a billion dollar character. Yeah. He's the only one of the DC movies to crack 1 billion dollars outside of Batman, and even then Batman did it in a completely different trilogy. So yeah. it's like I I don't see the sense in doing a full-on reboot, but at the same time, like if you're just trying to get out of contractual obligations or you're just trying to get your own creative stamp or even if it's just something as petty as ego i don't know but frankly as, as it stands like at the end of the day business is business james gunn's the one in charge he's going to do whatever he damn well pleases um there are there's a good indication that whatever he decides to do i don't know if i'm going to be a fan of it or not because frankly like i haven't seen what else he has in store as it's as yeah. in regards to just superman on the whole i'm disappointed like there's a lot of disappointment there purely because I know for damn fact that, that Henry Cavill is more than well enough to play the role of Superman for quite some time. And we're just going to go ahead yeah. and just hit the reboot button again. And I'm just like, yep. why? Just why? And you're going to tell me a story that I've kind of already seen in, in my own preferential way. I don't need to see this early gate, early early day Superman bullshit again. I don't. Yep. I really we've, we've don't. We've seen it in film already. We've seen it in comic books. I've we've seen, seen it, it in, in animated, animated movies. Series. I just I just don't need to see it again. Yeah. Like stop going back in time. It doesn't make any sense. Bo, but it's not an origin movie. That's fine. You're still going to yeah. find a way to sprinkle some of that origin bullshit in it. Mm -hmm. We everyone knows it. It's not it's going to happen. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna be able to completely Spider-Man: Homecoming your way through this. I'm sorry. There's just no way that you make a Superman movie and not at all touch on the fact that he's from Krypton. Not at yep. all touch on the fact that his adoptive parents are the Kents and they grew up on it. Like, there's just gotta, no freaking way. Gotta reintroduce the Kents. Gotta reintroduce the Daily Planet. Gotta reintroduce uh, Lois, Jimmy Olsen. Gotta reintroduce everybody. You know, I don't think this is actually the case, but it, it actually wouldn't shock me if Jimmy Olsen was brought in purely to be the dick and fart machine for a James Gunn written Superman yeah. film. Yeah. 
That's just me being mean. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. <clears throat> and again, with all of this, after all the stuff we've been talking about, there's still another really big question mark. The friggin' Flash movie. Oh, man. What in the world? How is this going to fit in at all? Is this is that going to be the breakoff point? Well, some people are even now just like, you know, if he's just going to reboot whatever he wants, like, what's the point in seeing, you know, Shazam? What's the point in seeing yeah, The Flash? What's the point exactly. in seeing Aquaman? What's the point in seeing Blue Beetle if all this shit is just not going to pay off in any way, shape, or form? Because and, why? what we've been hearing is that, obviously... Henry Cavill's scene that he was going to have some scenes in the flash. Those are out. Supposedly Gal Gadot was going to have a wonder woman scene in the flash. That's out. There's even rumor now, I guess apparently they're not even sure if Michael Keaton's Batman is even going to be in the film. Now, what is this film going to be? See, as far as Superman is concerned, I've heard that I've heard that his role has been completely cut. If not just outright, you know, like Henry, whatever role Henry Cavill had in the Flash is just no longer probably happening. Um, as for Wonder Woman, I heard differently, and as far as Michael Keaton's Batman, definitely heard differently. As far as mm-hmm. I know, those two do have roles in the movie. Michael Keaton's especially is is very much extended. He does have a role to play in that movie, and they just showed off some proportional art of his Batman, Sasha Kai, Supergirl, and then the two other Flashes. And, um, well, people are going to town on the second Flash suit because it looks ridiculous. Oh, really? I haven't seen any of that. Yeah, it's... Matter of fact, I have the picture. I can probably send it to you right now. Yeah. Here, hold on. But see, and right then and there, that doesn't make any sense. Why is Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman going to be in this if he's not moving forward with Wonder Woman? Well, right. You know, like... Why is Aquaman coming out after the Flash if you're just going to reboot everything anyway? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. What the hell? But, you know, again, I don't, I don't make these calls. I don't make these creative choices. I don't want to incur the wrath of fans, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And I also I don't think that James Gunn coming out every day to swat trolls is also a, a, a smart move. But that's. Yeah, he really needs to just just ignore that and just stay away from it because honestly the amount of articles oh today james gunn said this to this person on twitter who cares i sent you the photo by the way yeah let's see Ooh boy that that's not real is it oh that's real Oh man! Well, the, the 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 PNGs of the characters are, but the back backdrop to it is not. This is actually yeah, just, yeah. But yes, this is one hundred percent promotional. Yes. Yeesh. Yeah. So uh, the second Flash's suit is made out of a repurposed Keaton suit. <laughs> it really is. It does. It looks. Like, it's like they took the Keaton suit and just painted it red. Oh boy. Okay. My interest in that movie continues to fall. Well, um, here's the thing. So, I said, I don't even like tooting my own horn, but basically, like, if Warner Brothers wants to make any money on any of these movies, then, especially this one, they need to put something out, like, now. Yeah. Because, and I'm just looking at the other stuff coming out in June, right? So... 
Paramount has Transformers, Sony has Into the Spider-Verse, and excuse me, Disney has Indiana Jones. All three of those movies have trailers out. Yep. This they had trailers out before Christmas. Do you want to know why? I'm sure you know why. You, you, I know you know why, but I'm going to go ahead and elaborate for the audience. They had those trailers out because Christmas time is one of the most productive and profitable times for a movie theater. Everyone was yep. going to see Avatar Way of Water. The movie made a billion dollars. Guess what? You know what, how many promotions for summer films were probably in front of Avatar Way of Water? Probably oh, yeah. every movie I just listed off. Yeah. Okay? The Flash film comes out June 16th. Literally smack dab in between uh, Transformers, Spider-Man, and... Wow, I just had it. Indiana Jones. Holy shit. Anyway, like these are bat massive big budget blockbusters. Okay? So it's it's just really if they really want to not have a situation where they wind up in the same boat that Black Adam did, then I would suggest that they had a trailer for the Flash out mm-hmm. weeks ago. Here we are. It's 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 just I don't you don't have to wonder if they even if they're gonna reboot everything are they gonna you know <laughs> are they just writing off whatever they have this year and just just gonna take you know twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five off before they release one in twenty twenty six and start over I don't know yeah. I have absolutely no idea. I guess we'll just have to wait to see. Uh, like you said, they're gonna be making some announcements here soon about like kind of what the outline is going to be and i guess that's really we're going to see what kind of direction they're going to take we'll see i don't i don't know i mean i have no idea what kind of plan james gunn has um within the next few weeks we should have some inkling of an idea but we'll see time will tell on that front i don't know no idea but um yeah i i i think if he's going to do batman above all i think if he was going if think if batman is in his plan um i would wisely release whatever version of batman he's doing in a movie form not the same year as uh the batman sequel yeah matter of fact i would even just say stay away from batman until matt reeves is done with him use him as a secondary supporting character until you're ready to do him on his own yeah honestly they have enough characters and they have enough storylines that they can do where Reeves can just do his Batman stories. They can start building this universe and bring Batman in after Reeves is done. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm just kind of in a wait and see mode as far as that whole new universe is concerned. So it's frustrating but at the same time it's just like you know these these things happen like this is this isn't my first rodeo with having to accept a different actor take on the role of batman yeah you know like it's 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 whatever to me at this point but moving right along i think we're gonna you know we got we got a list here of our regards to kevin conroy this was honestly probably the toughest list that i've had to put together i'm right there with you like, not just because of the emotional ties to it, but just, again, this man has been the voice of this character for so long. He has had so many impactful moments. Like, how can you do justice to a role like this? I don't know. 
Um, I had some difficulty with it myself, but I feel like I've got a pretty solid list. Uh, as per usual, our rules are going to go from top or bottom to top. Top ten favorite portrayals of Kevin Conroy's Batman. And uh, Craig, I think you should be the one to kick this one off. Sure. So my number ten moment, and this one is kind of newish to me, and that's the reason why it's number ten for me is just because I only kind of recently got around to this moment. But it was like watching it was very impactful for me Um, because I watched, obviously, as everybody knows, I love Batman the Animated Series to death. I watched a fair amount of the Superman Animated Series and I watched a little bit of Justice League right around the time when Justice League was kind of taking hold is I mean, I was probably nearing my junior senior year of high school. So I was kind of falling out with watching those shows for a while. So I didn't have as many ties to Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as other people do. Um, But I came across this when I was trying to create my list, and it was just a really awesome moment. It is um, Kevin Conroy as Batman singing Am I Blue Mm -hmm. in the uh, Justice League Unlimited episode, This Little Piggy. Yes. Um, That was just a really awesome moment. Uh, Hearing Conroy batman sing was i mean that was that was awesome the the episode rings a bell yeah that's the one where wonder woman gets turned into a pig yes yes so essentially for those that are not uh, privy to it uh, basically in the episode a batman is helping wonder woman they're kind of invested they're on a stakeout they because they get a tip that um the intergang is going to steal the rosetta stone while they're on this stakeout Um, They end up clashing with uh, the sorceress uh, Cersei, and she ends up turning Wonder Woman into a pig, and Batman goes to Zatanna for help, Um, and Zatanna's magic is just not as powerful um, to reverse the spell. Long story short, a lot of stuff happens in the episode, but basically it comes down to Cersei telling Batman, like, I'm going to, I'll I'll let, I'll return Wonder Woman to normal if you sacrifice something for me. Mm -hmm. And he kind of asks, like, what is it that I have to do? And she basically says that she needs something from him. I need something from you that is something you have concealed from everybody, something that you have never revealed, something that can never be regained once it's gone. And he, he gets up on a stage and he, Batman sings a blues song called Am I Blue? Yep. And it makes, it brings Zatanna and Circe to tears. And it's just, it's a really haunting thing to hear Kevin Conroy singing. And it was a really well shot. I mean, for an animated show, it was a really well shot thing. I mean, you've got the spotlight on Batman as he's singing. The camera pans around to all the people in attendance, and everyone is just, like, silent. Everyone can't believe what they're hearing. It goes to Zatanna, and she's got tears in her eyes. She takes out a handkerchief to wipe her tears, and you see a hand come out of the screen, and she hands the handkerchief over, and it's Circe, and his singing has even brought Circe to tears. And then she, uh, of course, she returns Wonder Woman back to normal, and even the episode ends in a really just very 
nice way. Uh, basically, Batman and Wonder Woman are back up at the League Watchtower. She doesn't really, she says that she doesn't remember much of what happened when, when she got turned into a pig. And she asks, like, did anything happen? Did I miss anything? And Batman's like, nah, not really. Nothing. I was just able to get you back. And she goes, oh, okay. And then as she's walking away, she's humming the tune that hmm. he was singing. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, his eye, you know, he does the, basically like the rock, like, eyebrow up thing as she's walking away humming. And then it ends with Batman smiling. And it's, just, it's a really just heartfelt moment. Yeah. Um, I remember the episode. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but I definitely remember watching it as a kid. That that uh, that does ring a bell. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I think my number 10, yeah, I've got my number 10 up here. I did mine in a, in just a just preference, like least to greatest to least, I suppose, in like terms of just what I when I enjoyed. But I think the top three, you could just kind of rotate any which way possible. But my number 10 at the moment is uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Yeah, there you go. That's a good one from. Uh, yeah. John Glover voicing the Riddler and probably my favorite Riddler episode from the animated series. Just the, the, the entirety of the line delivery and Batman solving those clues in that episode just really worked for me. Um, especially just the, the line delivery of the name Mockridge has always stuck out to me as far as Kevin Conroy is concerned. Just always really liked that. They always played really well off each other. In the few episodes that the Riddler was in in the animated series, Batman and the Riddler just had this very interesting relationship because this was a much, like, I would say more sinister Riddler. This was a Riddler that, you know, he still, he had his riddles, he had his traps and stuff, but he had this very just sophisticated, just evil to him. Yeah. There was something to his tone that was very different than we had ever seen at the time in any Riddler portrayal up until that point. Mm Mm-hmm. And he always played very well off of Conroy's Batman. Yeah, I think John Glover and Kevin Conroy had a really special chemistry there. You know, their 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 matchup was a lot more cerebral than anything. Yeah, like they they had a very you know cerebral rivalry going on in terms of how their characters were written for the animated series. So I always really liked that. And even just like the, the clues, the Minotaur, the, the Arabic writing, like all of it was just really int- one of my favorite episodes. But that was one of the first episodes I ever really remember listening to the voices and being aware of them. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you watch the show, right? But like being aware of how distinct and different the voices are. That was the first one I ever distinctly remember, like looking at the credits and seeing Conroy's name and being like, oh, OK, Kevin Conroy's Batman. Mm hmm. Okay, my number nine. So from going to ten to nine, uh, it's another animated series. My last three are are on the animated series. That shouldn't be, yeah, much of a shock <laughs> to anybody. But uh, the le- next one on my list is the Laughing Fish. That oh, one, okay. that one's actually that, adapted from great, so. yeah. That one's adapted from a Silver Age story, and it, it I, it's one of my favorites because I always remember the visuals of it, uh, the big uh, uh, swordfish getting lodged through the window yeah. and hitting the gas and, and Batman Kevin Conroy's line delivery of get this man to a hospital <laughs> now <laughs> it's still in my head after all these years it's such a damn good episode because it's a Joker episode I can you hate that yeah 
That and Batman fights a shark in it without repellent. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't use the repellent in that one. Doesn't need it. All right, so my number nine is um, this one's kind of a general one. It's just really for me, it was his return to the role in Batman Beyond. Okay. Um, you know, we had what was it? Probably a two, three year gap between the animated series and Batman Beyond. I want to say I, I want to say it was it was a small gap between the two. two. It was two. Two because the the new animated series debuted in. 97 and Batman Beyond was 99 99 right yeah so just I mean to see him come back as Bruce but again this is a very different Bruce this is a this is old man Bruce he's he's done being Batman he's a recluse he sticks to the mansion he doesn't go out and to watch him kind of take on this like completely parental role essentially he takes in terry and shows him basically how to be batman it was just it's very different but he still has that very menacing voice i mean you know when him and terry butt heads it's gonna be brutal because he's you know this is bruce wayne we're talking about he's not gonna back down right but he also has this very rebellious team probably more rebellious than any of the other family members he's had in the bat family um, yeah, it was just, it was really awesome. Again, I, I think I said the story before, like I remember when the first episode of Batman beyond was going to debut, I stayed the night at a friend's house and we got up like two hours early before the show premiered because we did not want to miss a second of it. And I was so excited to see it and to see that Conroy returned to the role was awesome to hear that voice again. Yeah. Um, I've got, Batman Beyond here, but I'm not really ready to talk about it. Yeah, more I think I, I think I know where you're gonna go, and it's yeah, it's in my list too. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I will also just cap mine off with um the animated series stuff. Um, I I will just say like he, he, hearing his voice as Bruce Wayne in the in in Batman Beyond was was also nice because there was that 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 instant connective tissue of everything you'd seen prior with mm-hmm. the animated series. So there's already that 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 you know that information you need for the, for this story going forward about the, this is that Batman and he's just old and pissed off and tired and fucking just sick of it. Just absolutely he just, he sick just wants it. to chill in his mansion with his dog. Yes. Very much so. So my number eight would then be uh, Beware the Grey Ghost. And that one is especially uh, yeah. more, more hard hitting because not only does it feature the voice of Kevin Conroy, as yep. Batman, it features the late great Adam West. Adam West, the Grey Ghost. As Simon Trent, the Grey Ghost. That's right. And I think that that in and of itself is just reason enough to just have that on 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 a list because that episode is just phenomenal. You know, it's funny. All these years later, you know, I don't remember any of the equations <laughs> from high school. You know, high school math and all that stuff. But just hearing you say Grey Ghost, I can I hear the Grey Ghost theme song playing mm-hmm. in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Weird how I that can, works, huh? It's just insane. I remember I was in awe of that episode. Uh, I love that episode so much. It's so fun to just see to see that Batman was a fanboy of somebody. Yeah, and it's it's even cooler because like you know that character gets voiced by Adam West, so it's yeah. it's, it's like one hero and another hero from two different times occupying the same character just 
really kind of going back and forth and, and, and sharing that bonding experience and even just like one looking up to another. And like even that, that, that last, last minutes of that episode where Simon Trent's feeling confident in himself and doing great, doing signings again as the gray ghost and, and like coming to that realization that Bruce Wayne is Batman and like that, that whole, you know, you know, my dad was a fan of the gray ghost and he always liked that whole ending line. Just, it just hits so much harder now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. yeah the gray ghost. Yep. Definitely. Um, so my next one um, is from the Arkham games. It's from Arkham city and it is, uh, <laughs> it's the Joker's death. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And mainly because of the last where I went back and I watched some YouTube clips because I distinctly remember it, but I just, I had to hear it again was the last words that he says to Joker before Joker dies. Cause you know, in Arkham city Joker's dying from the effects of the, what was it? Venom, the Titan venom, yeah. Titan, Titan venom, uh, from Arkham asylum and throughout the whole game, him and Batman, he plays all these games on Batman and this leads to a final confrontation against Clayface, which was a, freaking great twist that was pretty great yeah uh just a great boss battle to end it too and um batman is succumbing to the blood that the joker had injected into him but he had the antidote and he still has one vial of antidote left and um you beat clayface and then it goes to a cutscene, and batman's kind of walking around looking for joker and at this point joker's like so close to death i mean his face is just like disgusting he's coughing and hacking and wheezing all over the place but he uh he gets the jump on batman he jumps on his back to try to stab him which causes batman to drop the vial and it breaks on the ground and joker panics because that was his only chance right and he falls to the ground and he's trying to like basically lick up whatever he can and he's almost like to the point of tears because i mean he knows he's dying and i have it right here where Batman just looks over him, and in Conroy's voice, he just says, you want to know something funny? After everything you've done, I would have saved you. Yep, even after everything you've done, I would have saved you. And Joker falls on his back, and he's wheeze. He can barely talk because he's wheezing so hard. And he just looks up, and he goes, that's pretty funny, and dies. And dies, that's right, yeah. And then that last shot of... And I really appreciated the fact that that's in terms of dialogue that's pretty much it it goes to batman walking out of the theater you know the cops and commissioner gordon are all there and they're all like what's going on and he doesn't say a word he's just he's carrying the joker's dead body he walks out and he walks into the camera and cuts to black and that's it and it it just gave this kind of this shot i remember when that moment happened i was sitting there like no way they just did that there's got to be like, there's going to be another mission or there's going to be a tease for the next game or something like that. Nah, it just goes black and that's the end of the game. And you got to wait till the next one to find out what happens next. I, I, Arkham City's on my, on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I will get to it. Um, but I will just say that that, that ending is also foreshadowed at the very beginning of the movie or the very beginning yeah, of the video the game, game when mm-hmm. when you're when you go as Catwoman to break into Two-Face's hideout uh the portrait that the safe is behind is a very clear homage to the ending of that game and Batman holding the Joker's dead body yeah so 
Yes, I, I do remember that. Um, my number, let's see, one, two, three. My number six is uh, Bruce Wayne Crisis on Infinite Earths and the DCCW crossover. Um, this one was especially interesting because this one, I remember people were so hyped up about Kevin Conroy finally taking on a live action version of Batman only for them to later turn around, be super PO'd and pissed off that this version of Batman went over the line and killed it Superman. It wasn't our Batman. Oh, oh no. Poor it, was, it was the funniest thing ever to me, but it was also pretty cool to see Kevin Conroy in like a um, Kingdom Come-ish kind of put-together yeah. suit, and he got to you know be this evil bastard Batman, and it was just like, you know, you people had such a fit about Ben Affleck's Batman. Now Kevin <laughs> yeah. Conroy comes here and goes, here, hold my beer. <laughs> It was just really funny timing for that crossover and what how they decided to pick Batman in that. I, I, I just always thought that was funny. No, no knock to Kevin Conroy at all. He did a fantastic job with what he was handed, as always. But I just I just found it absolutely funny that people just gassed that up so much only for it to just be the one thing that they never expected. Oh, and you know you know Conroy jumped at the opportunity. Like 100%. When, they, when they came to him and they said, Hey, we'd like you to be, you know, one of the Batman uh our version of Batman in this uh, storyline, but you're going to be this evil, sadistic Batman. He's like, yes, sign me up. 100%. He took it, no questions asked. But then again, you know, if you've played Batman over the course of 30 years and you finally get a shot at playing him in live action, would you turn it down? No. Yeah. yeah. Like, if Mark Hamill was asked to play a live action version of the Joker, I wouldn't, there would be oh, a yeah. doubt in my oh, mind my that he, gosh, that he, that that he would. Gosh, that would be amazing. Because he, he already kind of has, like, yeah. in, in the Flash mm-hmm. TV show, he's done a couple different versions of the trickster. He's done, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature a couple different places. So it really wouldn't surprise me if he, if he hopped at the chance to take care of it if he ever did. So, yeah. That's my number six. Nice. Um, so the next one for me, this is again, I didn't see this back when it came out, but um, several years ago I did find it, um, I think it was either on a streaming service or I probably watched it on YouTube, um, but I finally got a chance to see the Batman uh, or the Superman animated series episode that featured Batman, World's Finest. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And for me it was just that that first confrontation between Kevin Conroy's Batman and Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, he drops in just like Batman would on some goons trying to get information about the Joker. Superman comes in as he's like choking this guy out. He's like, you know, this is enough. I think he's had enough. Batman doesn't even say a word. He just grabs Superman's arm and throws him across the room onto a table. And even the look on Superman's face is like, did that just happen? Yeah. And then he flies over, you know, hits Batman in the chest, knocking him to the ground. And uh, uses his uh, vision, his x-ray vision, to look through the mask. He finds out that it's Bruce Wayne. And all Conroy says is, you, you peaked. peaked. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Superman comes up to him. He's like, I don't need you, you know, doing your vigilante justice stuff here. This is my city. And all Batman does, he pulls out this little baggie that's got this little bit of kryptonite. And he just goes, doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> And then he's like, you know, the Joker has 200 pounds of this somewhere. I'm trying to stop him. You're not going to get in my way. And he leaves. And then you cut to, you know, you know, Clark's going back to his apartment. And he's talking to Lois. And she's talking about how 
she's going to go on a date with Bruce Wayne. You can immediately tell Clark's getting upset about that. Mm-hmm. But then he looks over and he sees a little, little flashing light on his suit, and he sees it's got it looks like a little bat. And he looks out with his vision again, and what do you know? All the way across the way on a building, there's Batman waving to him. Just gives him a thumbs up, gives him a wave, and then just hops away. Is that is great? The whole interaction was great. Oh, it's it's magnificent. Like even I remember watching that episode for the first time and just being just completely enamored by seeing like a, a Batman and Superman team up for the first time. Like you know, growing up watching the Super Friends show, like that was kind of an everyday thing. Was you know seeing you know Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman, Superman, the Flash, Aquaman, like all of those characters just kind of team up and you know, do go on adventures, but like then seeing it in, you know, a much more, a little more modernized sense, as far as, you know, the timeline goes for people like you and me, like it was, it was nice seeing like our version of that happen in Uh animated form and seeing like a Batman and a Superman like go up against not only just like villains, but like their top tier villains, their arch nemesis is like Joker and Luther. Luther, right. You know, like seeing that happen was just phenomenal. And I would even also say set a precedent for for a later film. But, Absolutely, yeah, that's a good one. Um, mine is actually a little bit more towards the beginning of Kevin Conroy's timeline, and I'm sure it'll probably come up later on your list. And that is uh, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I, you know I, that's going to be in my list oh, somewhere. I already know where it is on your <laughs> list. I'm not. That's why I have it here because I know yep. where it is on yours. <laughs> but I th- I just think that the, the general duality displayed there between Bruce Wayne and Batman is just so, so, so good. It's, it's, you know, you watch that film and you understand why Kevin Conroy is so good at balancing the two distinctions between his Bruce Wayne voice and his Batman voice like that, that movie, you know, it turns 30 this December. Crazy. 12 months from now. (laughs) But yes, that, that is, that is my number five. And I know that is not Craig's number five. One is just, and I think I said this on our commentary episode that like the interesting thing about that movie is that it works as both a beginning and an end, right? Because it does show us, you know, for the first time, at least at that time, it was the first time we saw Bruce trying things out and, you know, working towards becoming Batman. Then we see him become Batman, then his relationship with Andrea and then towards the end, the final confrontation between him, Andrea, and uh, the fan or uh, Joker, and the way that ends, it really does kind of give a kind of finality to not just his relationship with Andrea Beaumont, but I mean, it kind of hints at the death of the Joker in a way. And granted, you know, we've seen the Joker, quote unquote, die in the animated series several times. But it was always kind of left up to interpretation. Did he actually die? Did he get away? That kind of stuff. And you don't really know. You got to assume Andrea did something to the Joker when they got away. But it's just really interesting how that film works, to me anyway, as like both a beginning and an end to the animated series. From what I understand, the timeline of Mask of the Phantasm is supposedly in between seasons one and two. Hmm. Okay. So... Uh, that's my understanding of it. I could be wrong about that fact. I don't really know for sure, but it's just something I remember hearing in passing. So next one for me is um, the uh, one of the animated movies that Conroy contributed his voice to, and uh, that's the and we did a commentary on it. The ending to Justice League Doom. 
uh, where Conroy's Batman basically looks at the Justice League and says, you guys don't like what I did? Middle finger to you. I don't need to be a part of this team anymore. I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got it right here. My actions don't require any defense. In the same situation, I do it again. And then he says something along the lines of like, if you guys don't see an issue with an out-of-control Justice League, then I don't belong here. Yeah, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, that's that would be my same sentiment. I would, I would say, uh, mine. My next one is, I, I think we've actually, we, we absolutely have talked about this scene before, and it's in Justice League Unlimited. It's, it's the conversation he has with Ace. Yep, I, I'll just say that was going to be my next one so we'll just combine the two <laughs> yeah i mean this this one was you know this was it's it's in the, it's in the epilogue episode of just like unlimited and it showcases yeah. like you know why amanda waller was so just dead set on recreating batman for the world because yeah. she knew more than anyone that that batman needed to be a thing but this this was also just like this you know really sincere moment of vulnerability on Batman's end because he's duping Amanda Waller and he's also having to just walk this 10 year old through inevitable death. And that's just, you know, he sees a bit of himself in her because she says she never had a childhood and it was Mm -hmm. taken away from her and he can absolutely sympathize with that. So having to just having this moment be present and I don't think it's ever going to be topped as far as far as Batman moments go. It's, I don't think it's ever going to be topped in more ways than one. Yeah. But. I recently rewatched it, um, after adding it to my list. Uh, cause again, I wasn't, I didn't really watch a whole lot of justice league or justice league unlimited. Mm-hmm. So I have been just kind of finding things, these scenes out as the years have gone on. And I mean, just that whole, uh, the way when he, when he walks up to ACE and you know, she basically like, she tells, I think she says something along the lines of like, I let you through because I read everybody's mind and you were the only one that wasn't going, wasn't willing to go through with killing me. Mm-hmm. And that was just a really big moment right there for me that this 10 year old read the minds of all these heroes and Batman was the only one that wasn't ready to kill. Mm. Yeah, that one's just. It's just a nice display of tactician Batman and how he was always one step ahead of everybody. But how he's also, yeah. again, just sincere and just... That is, is without question. You know, I, I said top three initially could be rotated around. I'd probably say my top five could probably yeah. be rotated around. Because these, these moments that we have are just top-tier Kevin Conroy performances nonetheless. Uh, so speaking of that, next one for me is uh, it's a scene from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. It's um, it's actually it's Bruce confronting Terry when he finds out that the Joker is back and basically telling Terry, you're not going up against this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Hearing Conroy as Bruce. In a way, telling Terry that he knows what this is without just straight up Terry. I think he says something on the line, like Terry says something like you never told out of all the people you've never told me about this guy. And Bruce basically tells you, he's like, there isn't anything to tell. He's a psychopath. He's like, it's not a popularity contest. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And he's like, he was a psychopath and he just basically tells Terry, you're not going up against this. Yeah. 
And to hear, um, I've got the quote here where he looks at Terry and he goes, you've honored the reputation of Batman many times over. And for that, I, I thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And then when Terry's like, he, Terry gives this very emotional speech about like, I have to do this. I have to continue to do this because being Batman gives me a purpose. And Bruce just looks at him and Conroy just goes, stupid kid. You don't know what you want. And to <laughs> Because he knows that he has to be brutal in this sense. He has to be cold in order to keep this person that means something to him safe from this psycho that he has dealt with for most of his life. Yeah, I've got that a little sooner-ish, but mm-hmm. not quite. Uh, my number four is Arkham City, but I will just kind of... It, it's more so the, the game than anything, but yeah, you know, you hit it right on the head with your with your assessment of the finale of it, but just more so that entire game, I think has like Kevin Conroy's best. Oh yeah. There's so many moments. Yeah. There's just so many moments you could probably pick and choose and just add them into like a, a, um, soundboard. I would, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, Just a Batman soundboard. Um, but return of the Joker was my, is my number three. Um, that movie is without question. Uh, one of my favorites it's got, you know, Kevin Conroy just turns in just one hell of a performance as Bruce Wayne. He's just absolutely mortified and terrified at the idea of the Joker returning and just, you know, his whole demeanor when he's with Terry. You know, it's kind of a learning experience for both of them in, in some ways, but for him, it's it's just like, you know, it's it's the worst revisit to his past that he could ever have at that point in his life. And that yeah. whole movie to me is just top tier. Yeah, it's it's ranked up there with me it's near like mask of the phantasm status yeah definitely um so next one for me and this one this one right as soon as we said that we were going to do this list how could i not put this on here it simply the scarecrow episode of batman the animated series the quote that everybody knows i am vengeance yes i am the knight i am batman that is the quote that Conroy will be forever remembered. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if that's on his tombstone, <laughs> to be honest. If he was buried, I don't know if he was buried or cremated. Or yeah, not, I don't know. But that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? What is that? that? Was... That's that's uh... episode 10. Yeah, I think it was no. Yeah, fe- I think no fear. No fear. No yep. fear. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. You just that is the quote when people when people hear Kevin Conroy, when people hear Batman, you hear that quote. That's the one that gets said the most. I mean, he said it in a soup kitchen full of nine <laughs> yeah. eleven victims. Yeah. hundred percent. He he said it in the, the live action episode that you were talking about. This, this is true. I, he, I, did. he said it in that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the phrase that I think is going to go hand in hand with his portrayal more often than not. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so is that your three? That, that was three. Yeah. Okay. So my number two shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, Justice League Doom. Uh, I've I've talked yep. about yep. Um, the pivotal point where Batman owns Darkseid verbally and gets the one up on him and threatens to blow up Apocalypse. Uh, the yep. entirety of just that performance too, where he's kind of just kind of wrestling with Superman on whether or not Kara needs to be taken care of. Just everything about that version of Batman is just badass in more ways than one. But 
Yeah, him. Him. Wow, I totally just I, I totally just mixed up my number one and my number two because I'm nope. talking about Batman, <laughs> Superman, Apocalypse, and then I'm, I'm thinking Justice League Doom. <laughs> no, <laughs> yep, I'm an idiot. No, That's Justice League good. Justice League Doom is great because ju- spoilers, everyone. You already know now. I guess yeah. whatever. But no, like Justice League Doom is you know it was it was 2012. It came out the same year as The Dark Knight Returns. It was like you know it was based off Holy of one crap, of that is true i didn't even put that together it came out the same year the dark knight returns did part one yeah wow yeah part one was september part two was january of 2013 if i'm not mistaken anyway uh justice league doom i would say is just like one of a, one of the perfect animated films you know really great animation mm-hmm. really great voice acting all across the board really solid story for the most part it's a little goofy there towards the end but even yeah. still it's 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 just a really solid movie uh batman's story in it is you know they essentially kind of turned him into the bad guy more or less because he's the one who you know came up with the ideas of how to neutralize the justice league and then vandal savage like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill yeah. all you but just Damn, a great movie master great movie great performance from conroy all around just memorable more ways than one in that that last scene where he quits just too Mm -hmm. iconic absolutely iconic so my number two actually when i was coming up with this list this was this is the one that kind of surprised me because i didn't particularly care for this game um i might actually go back and try it again just because it underwhelmed me when i originally played it but I do kind of want to go back now and give it another try. Um, the final confrontation inside Bruce's mind between Batman and the Joker in um, Batman Arkham Knight. Mm. Um, this game did a really interesting thing. I, I know it's been done to death, the whole Batmobile thing. And yes, that was something that just really deterred me from that game. I just I wanted to know more of the story and I wanted to be invested in it. And the game just kept throwing all these Batmobile missions at me. And I'm like, just let me be Batman and let me go do, let me play through this story. But it did give us this amazing thing towards the end uh, where basically, you know, Joker is inside Batman's mind, essentially. He can't let go. Even though the Joker is physically dead, he is still alive in a sense in Bruce's mind. And he plays all these tricks and stuff through him throughout the entire game. And you get to this this moment where it flips and you're now from the you're in the perspective of the Joker with this shotgun and you're going around, you're shooting like these um, Batman statues. And he's like kind of Batman's playing these games with him and they get into this basically like these cells that have all these like memories or stuff like that for Bruce. Mm -hmm. And he you go, uh, he comes out of one of the cells. Batman comes out of one of the cells. Joker tries to shoot him, doesn't phase him. Beats up Joker a little bit, and Conroy looks at him and goes, you will be forgotten, Joker, because of me. And then he grabs him by the throat, and he says it. He says, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. Throws the Joker into the cell, shuts it, and this whole time Mark Hamill as the Joker is pleading with him, like, please don't do this. And he pushes him away in the cell. You essentially, he's he's finally cutting the Joker off from his psyche. Right, right. And as he goes away, you, the Joker just does this pathetic little, I need you. Mm-hmm. And he locks Joker away forever. And that was just, for a game that underwhelmed me so much, that was a moment that really, because it was, in a sense, it was the final nail in the coffin 
to that relationship of Joker and Batman. And it was so iconic to me because it was Hamill as Joker and Conroy as Batman one last time, basically saying goodbye to one another. Yeah, uh, I remember that distinctly and getting to that part in Arkham Knight. It's funny because I went over to my brother's house to drop off some Christmas presents earlier this week. Or not earlier this week, earlier today. And uh, there was a, a trailer, funny enough, for Arkham Asylum that played. Hmm. And I thought about going back to where it all began. Yeah. That, but, yeah, that I remember that ending. It was it was definitely a... For all the flaws that was Arkham Knight, that was definitely not one of them, was having that relationship still be present, I don't think. But that I thought that was a solid ending. I honestly wish that had been, like, the main plot line of the game instead of just kind of a, a thing that occasionally popped up. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, since my number one got spoiled, I'm sure <laughs> well, yours is probably not too hard to figure out either yeah no my number one mask of the phantasm but it it's a very key moment in mask of the phantasm for me because to me this this is to me summarizes conroy as not just batman but again as bruce wayne is it the part where he's in front of his parents graves you got it yeah i figured yeah the, the scene of bruce at his parents grave i just it gives me goosebumps every time Bruce is just pleading with his parents because he has found this woman that just makes him so happy. He wants to marry her. He's falling in love and he's sitting at their grave. It's pouring down rain, lightnings everywhere. And he says it. he basically, he's pleading with his dead parents to give him permission to live again. Yes. And I got the quote here. It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down honest, but it just, doesn't hurt so bad anymore you can understand that can't you look i can give money to the city they can hire more cops let someone else take the risk but it's different now please i need it to be different now i know i made a promise but i didn't see this coming and then this i didn't count on being happy that is such a gut punch to the soul to hear conroy say those words and the emotion that he puts into that speech that to me solidifies that he will always be Batman. He will always be the definition of the Dark Knight. Oh, one hundred percent. Like that. That if there's a Mask of the Fan, if you think of Mask of the Phantasm when it comes to Batman, and there's one scene that immediately comes to mind, and that's not it. Hats off to you. Yeah. Cause that's the one that comes to mind for most people. Yep. Most definitely. Yeah. That's, and that that I think is just you know another testament to just his range as a vocal actor. Anyway. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a great list. He was a great actor. He was a great voice actor. He was. He will be sorely missed, for sure. And even just, like, right there, just that quick quote where he says, it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. He is telling his parents, your death doesn't quite hurt as much as it used to because he has found love. And he feels guilty about it, and that's what is so heartbreaking about it. Yes. And that, to me, really shows... You know, everyone always thinks of Batman as, oh, you know, millionaire. Why is he, you know, why is the millionaire guy upset? Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you got. When you're dealt that kind of loss at such a young age, it's going to stick with you. And you're going to question those moments where you think you found happiness. It's definitely a, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I can't really disagree with anything you just said. It's definitely a showcase of that, you know, the, the, 
power and energy that that Conroy exudes when he puts that stuff into perspective. He... I mean, there there will never ever be another one like him. No. No, no, there will not, and I'm sure we're probably gonna have a lot more episodes remembering good old Kevin Conroy and reminiscing about his time in the Cave and Cowl, be it animated or not. But hopefully, we remembered him well. I'm sure we're probably gonna do a lot more of that as the episodes come and as the years continue to wane. So this was yeah. this was good. Yeah, I mean, I've got my I've got my Arkham City Batman statue sitting here next to my computer, and it has. More importance now, more than ever, honestly. Definitely, yeah. Mine's in my... I think mine's either in my room or it's in my storage unit somewhere. I don't remember. It's somewhere. I don't know. i got to get my own place. I have it up somewhere. But anyway, um, Craig, it's always a blast getting to chat with you about Batman. It's always fun, even bringing this much-delayed episode to life. Yeah. Uh, aren't you back on... So oh, you're only back on Facebook now, aren't you? I'm back on Facebook for now. Uh, I was thinking about Twitter, but I mean, like we said, with everything going on over there, I think I'm just going to sit back and watch it burn. There you go. And uh, if anyone wants to feel free to follow us, uh, by all means, T-E-K underscore podcast. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow me anywhere, uh, unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D, three D's, not five. And if you want to listen to the show and leave a review, uh, by all means, Apple Podcasts or iTunes helps, gets the show noticed. Also, it just would be nice to hear from you guys. Feel free to also email us at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. But that is where we are going to put a pin in this mystery as we exit the cave for the evening. Oh, Craig, any final words, any final thoughts before we take off for the night? Um, I mean, just real quick, I just want to say to everyone that does listen to us again, thank you so much. We very much appreciate it. But also with this being obviously as corny as it sounds with this being a new year, treat yourselves right. Um, I mean, part of the reason why I went on my social media hiatus was I have been dealing with some emotional and mental hurdles and social media was just not helping me at that time. So I just took time to kind of step away and I just want to say to everyone out there, no matter what you're going through, there's going to be people there that want to help you, that want to support you, and that want to be there for you. There are voices that are here. There are people that are willing to listen. If you need help, go find that help. Even if it's something as simple as uninstalling an app on your phone, if that gives you some sort of release or just gives you a break from whatever it is you're dealing with, you need to take it. Uh, these last six months have been very revealing for me. I have done a lot of very deep introspective looking at myself and figuring out what I need to address in my own life and what things I need to do. And 2023, again, it's super sappy, but it's an opportunity to start things fresh and do things from a new perspective. So for those of you that are out there that are struggling, I know how you're feeling. You are not alone in this. And if you ever need someone to talk to, you can reach out to me. I'm only on Facebook right now, but you can search my name. I will more than happily add you as a friend. And I am always willing to listen because there have been people that have helped me with my struggles over this last year. And I want to make it my purpose to help those out there as well. Much appreciated, my man. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I was going through some stuff myself. Yeah. Not necessarily on that scale, but uh, just the holidays in general are just kind of kind of difficult. 
Mm-hmm. They were pretty difficult this year to get through. So, um, again, you know, we appreciate anyone who listens to this show. Uh, it's always much appreciated when we hear from anyone anywhere, be it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But also, you know, just keep it in mind, folks. Reach out. We are here. Yep. We will always be here. But as we like to say at the end of every episode, keep it classy in the cave, everyone. Take it easy. Stay safe. Reach out. Talk to you Take later. care, everybody. Not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.